Hey there, everyone, and you are listening to Nerd Girls. All right, everybody, how's it going? Now, before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to say that as a resident of Los Angeles County, I acknowledge my presence, including virtual presence, on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of indigenous people who are variously referred to as the Gabrielina Tungva people and Quiche Nation. I am one of your hosts, Jen with a G. Hi, everybody. And I am Caroline. Um, I am known around these parts as the Sorceress Supreme, which is especially relevant for this episode. Yes, folks. Yes, the Sorceress Supreme Caroline, the one who knows all, sees all, is going to talk to us today about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Oh, y'all don't even know. I've been excited for this and I've been wanting to talk to someone about this, Caroline. So good to have you on. Oh my gosh. Aww, thank you so much. And, you know, I've been feeling the same way. Like after watching, I kind of had a lot of reservations going into the movie, but then coming out after I'm just like, oh my God, I cannot wait to talk to Jen about this movie. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, our friend Bridget couldn't join us because she might have mentioned before that there were some creepy horror elements that she noticed in the trailers that she wouldn't be comfortable with. And to be quite honest, I know what she's talking about. Like after watching it, I'm like, oh, oh, ew, you know, Yeah. (laughs) and granted, this stuff is my jam. So I enjoyed myself. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. This. No. Yeah. She uh, she told me she's like, I heard there would be jump scares and zombies. And I was like, okay, well. That wasn't wrong. I think there was one of both of those things. Yeah, basically. Oh my gosh. So I watched it like on Fridays. Caroline, you mentioned you watched it on a Saturday. Yep. So it's pretty, pretty fresh in both of our minds. Um, But yeah, we just recently watched it. And then, but I mean, that also like kind of brings to mind something I've been thinking about for a while, which is that like, I feel like the PG 13 rating is just kind of a catch all for everything. You know, like a PG 13 movie can be fine for kids or it can be absolutely not fine for kids, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny you should say that because I've been having a similar issue with books. I'm a children's librarian folks. So there's some things where I'm like, okay, this is technically for teenagers, but at the same time, it's not, it's okay for like my older kids and other things that are like, oh, it's PG-13. And I'm like, what do you mean that's PG-13? I'm seeing all kinds of, no, no, that is rated R, you know? So I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Books aren't rated, you know? And, um, I, I think that I definitely remember as a kid, you know, either reading like young adult books or just plain old books for adults and being like, oh oh wow i did not expect that okay i don't actually know what that means um and then looking it up and and being a little bit freaked out um (laughs) yeah or like with older movies sometimes i think a lot of people like well you know it's an old movie they can't show everything i'm like yeah but if you have any idea of what the subtext is it it's not for kids okay yeah pretty graphic and such i know exactly what you mean and so that being said do you have like something to say about the multiverse of madness and it's rating PG 13? Like, do you feel like it should have been higher or lower or maybe like just a completely new rating entirely? Um, I mean, I really kind of feel like maybe there should be more, um, movies that are rated PG, you know, like nowadays I feel like nothing gets a G rating, but maybe we should kind of like, and I don't mean we, cause obviously we don't make these decisions. And also <laughs> I just want to say, 
the rating system is very arbitrary and it also has a lot of because you know it's people doing it and everyone brings their own biases to these kinds of things uh-huh. um, and when turn when it comes to biases there are also definitely some you know they they tend to buy like there's a bias towards anything involving like sex or swearing gets a higher rating than any than violence you know uh-huh so that like that's an issue i have with the rating system also they're kind of notorious for like rating queer content as being quote-unquote more explicit really? stuff about straight people or you know any like female nudity tends to be um you know go under the radar more than like male nudity or things involving like you know female sexuality versus male sexuality so like there are some issues with the rating system that go beyond just like how it's applied but i do think there is an issue in that just everything gets rated pg-13 whereas i feel like there are some movies that are pg-13 that it's like okay yeah you could take a younger kid too and then there are others where it's like yeah i think it should be 13 you know yeah i get you that being said Doctor Strange is definitely worthy of a PG-13 thing, and not just because of, like, the jump scares and the zombie, but there was a lot of violence in this that even threw me off. I was just like, oh, go on, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where, like, for me, I was like, oh, wow, they went there, and I thought that was pretty neat, but I do just want to say that, like, I hope, you know, not too many people are bringing, like, you know, again, small kids to this. Yeah, definitely have some concern for my students. I'm like, y'all aren't ready for some of that yet. <laughs> no. Some of those death scenes, which uh, before we get further, spoiler alert to anyone who hasn't watched the movie, you should know this by now, but yes, there are death scenes to characters you actually don't know very well, but you're just like, ah, why? You know, which we'll explain in just a bit. But yeah, a lot of violence. A lot of crazy, gory death scenes. And like you said, Caroline, where it's like, oh, wow, they went there, you know? So I'm not surprised, though, because uh, the director, Sam Raimi, he's known for that kind of stuff, you know? So, yeah, yeah. definitely took some liberties there that I am pleased he did, honestly. Yeah, me too. Because, like, one of my other things that I was concerned about going into this was that Scott Derrickson, the director, left over creative differences. I should say the director of the first Doctor Strange, originally the director of this film, um, left because, and it seemed to my understanding, sort of reading between the lines and everything, was that it was because he wanted to make it more of a horror film than it ended up being. So, I mean, I think maybe oh. that's a that's a ratings thing and that it's like hey scott i'm sorry we can't do this and keep it pg-13 or maybe it was a tone thing or maybe you know he didn't want to do some of the stuff that interacts with the rest of the mcu as much you know it's hard to say with this kind of thing um but i was a little bit concerned that like they were going to water it way way down really wow yeah and so i was kind of pleasantly surprised that they did keep some of those, they kept some of those horror elements, they kept some of that tone, you know, they kept some jump stairs, scares and some like, jump stairs, yes, there are a lot of <laughs> scary stairs. <laughs> and scary staring eyeballs. Honestly, though, jump stare is a real thing. I don't like being stared at and considering uh, the whole thing with eyeballs in this movie. Yeah, jump staring is a thing, folks. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
I, I appreciate the fact that they were they were willing to keep that and also um there's a yeah jen already gave you the spoiler warning like there's a series where like wanda gleefully murders a bunch of beloved superheroes oh my gosh. and i i mean i've i've got some some major like it's it's a difficult thing for me because on the one hand i have some issues with the overall plot but i'm also like oh my gosh that was amazing right again i can't believe they let them do this in a marvel film yeah, I forget that Marvel can get dark sometimes because I happen to be drawn to a lot of the storylines that tend to be lighter, like uh, Miss Marvel, for instance. But then I read the comics like Daredevil or Jessica Jones where it gets super dark. And even though we haven't quite touched that surface on um, the big screen yet, I know like we could get there if we really wanted to. There are who knows how many Marvel comics out there that get really dark, even for like comics and issues and characters that you don't normally associate with darkness so the fact that they are touching upon it and like pushing the envelope a little made me pretty pleased you know and just honestly i love this movie it's not like wow that was the best thing i've ever saw because i do have some issues too but for the most part i i think i waver between like an a minus b plus as an overall thing yeah yeah i i hear you on that one because it's like i think with the Marvel movies, one of my, I mean, I've got a couple of consistent critiques. One of them is kind of the way they're serialized, but the other one is the fact that the tone can end up very, very uniform um, because, you know, they're all kind of done by, I mean, Kevin Feige is obviously the, the connecting thread of all these, but you know, he's not acting. It's not just him. I know there's a whole committee of people um, that are involved in this stuff. And so unfortunately, sometimes you end up with a film where you're like, okay, I enjoyed that, but I wonder what the original vision for that was, you know? Yeah, um, I get you. And so I appreciate the fact that this one was willing to do that. But at the same time, I criticize that. But I think one of the strengths of the MCU is the fact that, you know, when they lean into other genres, it's their use of other genres. Like... You know, I make no secret about how much I love the first two Captain America films, and those are both very clearly, you know, a World War II kind of throwback adventure film, and then a sort of new retro, like, 1970s conspiracy thriller. Yeah. Um, And those genres work for the material, and they help, you know, make it distinct from Again, you know, I'd say another, the sort of the counterexample would be something like Thor, where it's like wacky space opera, you know, which is a very <laughs> different tone and aesthetic, even if they both have beefy blonde guys in the middle of them. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely worked in this case, because I know that we've been talking about the multiverse for a while, and finally, uh, some of our latest Marvel shows have been really kind of touching upon it from WandaVision to What If? And so yeah. the multiverse, there is a diverse amount of possibilities. So many. And if we're adding Doctor Strange to the mix there, then yeah, it's going to get crazy. Bare minimum. I mean, instead of like, say, Into the Spider-Verse, where it's like kind of, it's mostly uh, fun and adventurous. Doctor Strange is a whole nother thing. I mean, the, the dude fights monsters and mind-bending reality is involved. So yeah. It's going to be the multiverse of madness. So yeah, please throw in some horror elements. That is fitting. No offense to like fun dudes like Thor. The dude, I'm, I'm not sure how much he'd be able to handle it. 
but Aww. I feel like Thor would be very scared. He would be. I mean, I'm thinking of like, what if when uh, the Watcher brings him forward and he's like screaming, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, same though, dude. But Doctor Strange, he's definitely one of the characters who can handle that kind of stuff. He's a, He's gotten a taste of it already and gets more of it. And honestly, you know, Doctor Strange, I'm slow to warm up to him, truth be told. You know, he's a, a very abrasive, arrogant personality. But I think, like, they delved a little more into his human side in this movie, which I think is a plus. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And I also, like, to your point about, you know, liking this series being darker and liking Thor for being, like, lighter and more fun, it's like, I think it's important to have a level of variety, you know? It's like, if all your superheroes are like grim dark and that's the other thing about this this movie is it's not grim dark it's not just like doctor strange broods and beats people up and it's in desaturated tones <laughs> and then he beats people up that makes this deep oh my gosh if i wanted that i'd go for daredevil thank you and don't get me wrong i do go for daredevil but i like i like i like magic and I like America Chavez so much. And I think she's actually one of the high points of this movie, too. Introducing uh, America, which she's one of my favorite characters. I, I know y'all have heard me gush about her before, but having her introduction was awesome. And having her interact with Doctor Strange, of all people, was an interesting take. Because as far as I'm aware, the two haven't interacted directly in the comics. But now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, why not? They're both kind of otherworldly. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I think Doctor Strange has become the weird uncle of all the younger superheroes now. Oh, dear gosh, he has. He, re- he yeah. really has. I mean, first with Peter, he's now with America. Yeah, he's the weird aloof uncle who probably does a bunch of drugs and is like an academic or something but you're not entirely sure what it is he does. And, you know, he doesn't really remember what grade you're in, but, you know, eventually you have a good time when you're staying at his house. Yeah, I could accept that. When your parents can't find a babysitter. Oh my gosh, he is that uncle, isn't he? Oh my gosh. Like, I'm curious, Caroline, knowing what we've seen with his uh, quote-unquote mentoring with Peter Parker in America, would you say he's an okay mentor or like he just flops like Tony Stark or do you think he's actually good? Like, what do you think? Well, I mean, Tony Stark sets the bar pretty low um, for mentors, (laughs) but um, I'd say that we haven't seen a whole lot of, of mentors in the MCU because it's like a lot of the heroes up until Peter have been adults, you know? So they may like, they sometimes will have like a, a person who kind of kicks off their journey or gives them some kind of wisdom to start with, like Steve and Dr. Erskine, um, or Tony and Dr. Yinsen. It's, it's always a bald scientist with glasses, apparently. Um, <laughs> and who kind of, yeah, gives them a little bit of wisdom and then kind of moves on. And then I feel like Fury is a kind of a mentor, I guess, to the superheroes, but, um, you know, and that he sort of organizes them sometimes. But I also feel like he would not want to be described as a mentor because he's like, 
you know, these are a bunch of adults. They should be able to deal with their own, you know, problems and stuff. <laughs> like, I'm not mentoring them. I don't have time for that. Oh, yeah, that's definitely his reaction. Knowing Stephen Strange the way we do, he's probably like, no, no, I- I'm not their mentor. I'm not their babysitter. I'm, I'm barely even their friend. Stop. Yeah, that's the thing is, I don't think he's, like, trying to be a mentor. I think just, like, kids with problems keep, you know, showing up. And because at the end of the day, he's a decent person, like, he's going to help them. Um, But I think he also, like, one of my favorite interactions from uh, No Way Home, and I had a lot of favorite interactions in that movie, actually, is when, you know, he tells, uh, he's like, will you, you know, friggin' kids, will you Scooby-Doo this crap? And, of course, Michelle, because she's perfect, is like, I think you're missing a magic word. Please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. Um, And I, to anyone, I know the quote involved a different word that I am censoring so that we don't have to, like, bleep me out on the podcast or something. Um, Or put, like, an explicit label on it or something like that. Oh, my gosh. Um, so anyone who wants to like say, "Hey, that's not the quote." I know, I know. We know. Um, we know. Yeah. So like, I don't know. To me, I feel like that kind of typifies his relationship with kids. Is it's like he is kind of cranky, but he is also, you know, a little bit open to to their uh perspectives. He does change and say please. He does, because you would think, knowing him, that he would not have a soft spot for kids just because of how, like, uppity he is. And he strikes me as the type that goes for high-class society, like, even after his accident, and he becomes the Sorcerer Supreme and then gets demoted after the snap or whatever. It just doesn't seem like his cup of tea to hang out with kids. And yet he seems to, like, warm towards these teenagers, these lost teenagers, you know? I mean, this whole movie is about him protecting America Chavez. From someone he once considered an ally. And yeah. considering that he just met her. Like, all right, good good for you, man. You know, there's some good inside you yet, sir. Thank you. Yeah. I, I love how Wong's first reaction to America is, where are your parents? Yes, Wong. He's another highlight of this movie. But then again, I feel like he's a highlight of everything he's ever been in. Even if it's like temporary, like I just, I kind of screamed when he was in Shang-Chi, you know, because the man is a treasure. Yes, I I love Benedict Wong very much and I love Wong um, and I love his relationship with Steven. Um, It's, I think they have a very fun dynamic. Um, So, so yeah, I I appreciate that. Uh, The scene at the end where he bows to him was after that whole running gag about you know how hey it's customary to do that is i thought was very sweet (laughs) yeah very humbling of steven too you know and another highlight of this movie is actually dr strange's characterization and some character growth in this movie like i know he had some character growth in his own movie and it kind of like rose up a little bit in infinity war and that's basically all we see him in for like a little bit of time there you know yeah, that's, I mean, that's all the issue I always have with the team up movies is like, I really liked his character growth in his own movie. Like, you know, and I, I come to this with a number of, I came to the first Doctor Strange movie with like a number of issues. Like, I do not like the jerk genius character 
at all, like in most media. I did not like Benedict Cumberbatch. I did not, I don't like him in Sherlock. <laughs> so like, I was ready to hate this guy and the movie made me like him. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Whenever that happens, I'm like, hats off to you, Mr. Scott Derrickson, sir. You made me like Benedict Cumberbatch with a weird goatee playing a jerk genius who gets to be a superhero. Huh. Yes. Good directing, sir, Mr. Scott. Too bad you couldn't come back, but I get it. Creative differences are a big thing. I get yeah. it. And it seems like Sam Raimi really understands the character because like, after a couple of movies where we don't get a huge amount of him, um, we then get some more development. Speaking of which, something just occurred to me now when you're talking about his relationship with America, and I can't believe I didn't put these together before, is that in this movie he talks about how his sister died when they were little. Oh, um, yeah. So he felt like he couldn't save her and how, like, I really, that was great because it's very brief, but especially the fact that, you know, the sinister strange, the kind of creepy strange is like, but we don't talk about that, do we? And he says, no, we don't. And it's like, yeah, you're right. He, the only reason we learned about this was because he had to, basically verify his own identity by saying the thing that he does not talk about, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I would have completely forgotten to talk about that because don't get me wrong. It was like a punch to the gut, but there was like so many other things that happened in this movie that like either hit me in the face, you know, with the feels or pain, you know? Yeah. Just hard to keep track of after a while, but yeah, I forgot that he had a sister and the fact that he was willing to bring this up, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I get it. We get a teensy bit of your past as to why you grew up the way you did, I guess. You know, all right, all right, I see you. I see that character development there. I see the arc. Okay. Yeah, and it's like, you get the sense that this is something, again, the, the sort of idea of this is something you don't speak about, you don't talk to anyone else about it, so no one else would have known this except for you. It's like, that's a part of himself that he locked away you know yeah but you can kind of see a lot of his actions through that lens you know he decided to be a doctor he to save people um after you know when he was a kid someone who he loved he couldn't save and then there's also kind of a you know i wonder if he with you know his relationship with the kids how it's he's kind of distant or you know he's not that interested in engaging with them but he does end up you know, developing a bond with both of these characters is it's like, is it because he didn't get to be a kid? You know, that his childhood ended suddenly, in a way, or emotionally, he stopped being a child after this happened. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, America and Peter are the same in like a lot of ways, you know, they're both these insecure kids who are just willing to do the right thing. And they, yeah. you know, take some time to come into their own. And yet Strange is, of course, interacting with them and kind of sort of guiding them by trying to be the actual adult while these kids are like talking to him playfully and engaging him. And he's just like, I don't know what to do with this, you know? So, yeah, that's a good yeah. theory. And it's a good insight, too, in, on his character that these kids bring out that young and playful side of him that he that kind of died with his sister. Yeah. And then there's also the film itself is about him saving America, who's very kind of 
you know, she's very innocent in a lot of ways. So it's kind of like back when he was a kid, he couldn't save this young girl and now he can. Oh, yeah. I never really thought of it that way. The parallels there because like, again, my mind's on like 50 different things at once, but that's a really good parallel. And I hope that they explore this uh, friendship a little further. I, don't know if they're going to make a third Doctor Strange and I don't know what America's coming out in next, but I want the two to interact some more and deeper before. It seems like she'll be staying with him for a while, you know, learning magic, but man, I hope people don't drop that subplot relationship. I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, yeah. I um, I think I'd, I'd definitely like to see a little bit more of those two together. I mean, also, I guess, you know, now is maybe a time to talk about America, um, for me, it's a little bit, uh, it's difficult cause it's like, I like her. I like that actress, but I feel like we get so little of her, you know, she kind of throughout this movie is kind of a MacGuffin. It's like, everybody's chasing <laughs> her and trying to get to her, but we don't learn that much about her other than she can hop through multiverses. She, you know, feels guilty about what happened to her moms who I'm sure are out there somewhere. Um, and then at some point she has the insight when she's dealing with Wanda to know that, you know, her kids would never want to see her like this. And that if she, you know, she opens the portal and has them confront her, that that, you know, is going to break her or hurt her or maybe at least like distract her. Um, and that was interesting to me because it's like she doesn't she only knows Wanda as the monster who's been chasing her. And, but she's able to have this, you know, real emotional insight in, in a way that, you know, I just wouldn't expect a, a, a kid to do, you know, I just expect her to understandably just be like, no, get away from me. Like, yeah, yeah. Instead of thinking about how maybe how Wanda's kids might feel. And it makes me wonder, it's like, is that because she's thinking a lot about her own moms, you know? Yeah, it's possible. And like trying to see things from their perspective or I'm just, yeah, I just like to know a little bit more ab about her. It's like, again, the movie kind of centers around her, but she also, you know, doesn't get to do a whole lot other than, you know, kind of run away. And we, we learn like, okay, she likes pizza and she's been to a lot of different universes and she, you don't want to get stuck in the paint one. <laughs> that was a very interesting dimension. And I know what you're saying like about uh, poor America being the MacGuffin. And I really hope we see more of her because I've read her comics and she's really, really an interesting character. And it's interesting to see how she starts off as this insecure, terrified little kid, because in the comics, she's like a young college age student, full of confidence, sass, like very tough, just knows who she is. It was just like, okay, are they, messing with her character or what but then i'm thinking no wait 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 the america i know is like 19 or 20 years old or whatever this america is like still a baby teenager here and the actress uh, i really hope i'm pronouncing her name right sauchil gomez she herself said that when she was asked to play the character she wanted to give a take on what america's like when she's starting out growing into herself and in her powers and i'm like Okay, yeah, I, I see that. I get that. No one really becomes themselves until, like, they're older, of course. But when we're all teenagers, we're all awkward and gangly and trying to figure ourselves out. So 
Yeah, I know America based on the comics, and I can't wait for her to grow into that confident, tough girl that um, I know. And unfortunately, we don't see much of that, you know, in the movie, because like you said, Caroline, she is a MacGuffin, which <laughs> I love that fan term, by the way, MacGuffin. Yeah, um, it, it actually comes from Alfred Hitchcock. He used it to describe the, there's a, one of his films called North by Northwest, um, even though if you haven't seen it, I think everyone's seen the uh, a scene where like someone gets basically chased by a plane through a field. Yeah. Like that's where that comes from. Um, but in that movie, everyone's chasing this like canister of microfilm, I think is the the plot device. And it's like, he coined the term because it's like, with the MacGuffin itself is not super important. It can kind of be anything, but the point is everyone wants it. Gotcha. Um, and that's what kicks the plot off. And like, that's why it's, I feel sort of bad for America because it's like her main focus in the plot is that everyone wants her or wants to keep her, keep her, play keep away with her or get her, play keep away with her. Um, and, you know, we get some of her perspective on that of how difficult this is. Um, but also, like, I'm just kind of curious about, like, her and her backstory. And I guess, like, how long has she been in, you know, the universe that Doctor, like, Doctor Strange's universe? Or maybe, you know, she's mostly been in the one with, um, I'm just going to call him Zombie Strange. <laughs> the one with the terrible haircut. Yes, that one. Yeah, you're right. Terrible haircut, Strange. I like that. <laughs> So yeah, she presumably, I'm wondering how long she spent in the universe with terrible haircut strange, because it's like, she seems very at home in like, you know, a version of that, another version of New York. So it seems like maybe she's been there before or spent some time there. I mean, she's also, you know, she's not wearing like her robes from before or paint or something else wacky. She's dressed like a normal uh, teenager. So I just kind of wonder is like, is that the universe she spent the most time in, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. I get you. And also I'm curious, uh, from you know, since you've read the comics, the star motif, like does that what does that mean? Because it seems like a big deal since it's like that's what her powers do. She's got the star on her jacket, her moms have those star pins. It's a symbol for their home and You'll have to forgive me. I can't remember off the top of my head what her uh, dimension is called. But she's... Um, her universe is just basically like all women. And that star is like a representation. Kind of like, again, the symbol for uh, for that dimension. Uh, it's called the Utopian Parallel. That's That's what it's called. Yeah, so the star is just like... Again, a symbol of her home. So I was just, I was kind of curious about that. Um, and also just to note, I know when we were all talking about WandaVision, I brought up the color symbolism. Yeah. Um, so we have another example of Wanda with her red powers fighting a hero with blue powers. Oh yeah, here we go. Yes, symbolism. Yes, Caroline. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the same. I just noticed that. I'm like, wait a second, the red versus blue, it comes back. Yeah, she went full Scarlet Witch in this. I was a little surprised, but at the same time, I, I feel like I shouldn't be with how WandaVision ended, but wow. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I did not expect her to be the antagonist of this. I Again, 
makes sense in retrospect, but at the time I'm like, Wanda's the villain? Oh, snap. From questionable yeah. hero slash anti-hero to full-on villain. Okay. Great. All right. Yeah, I... Okay, this is my... Overall, I really like the movie, but I have an issue with this, with Wanda be with Wanda's character in this. Um, or I have multiple issues, but they're all basically around the whole like I, I don't think that this this change was properly set up, or her arc in this was properly set up, personally. Um, and it's it's basically I mean I think part of it is it goes back to Wandavision. Because apparently the creators of WandaVision didn't know that this was going to be the storyline until, like, it was basically almost over, you know. So it seems like they were told to leave it somewhat ambiguous, um, but not to, like, commit in one direction or another or something like that. I mean, that's the what I'm going to give them, but it just, it kind of drives me nuts because I feel like WandaVision could have been set up so that this was the next step, but it wasn't because either they hadn't planned that far or because they wanted to leave it ambiguous so that people wouldn't immediately be like, oh, Wanda's going to be the bad guy in, you know, Multiverse of Madness uh-huh. back in 2021. Yeah, I feel like they kind of dropped the ball on that because, again, I had to really think about it like, wait, okay, so last time we saw Wanda, she's isolated herself And she's looking through that really dark book to kind of scour the multiverse for her children. All right. Okay. You know, not exactly sinister, even if she is in Scarlet Witch regalia when she's looking into this. But I figure, well, she's just looking. That's not particularly menacing. I just, I took it as, oh, she's finally embracing her power rather than it. Oh, it's an out of control thing that they first presented it as, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing about that series is that the way it ends is that, and this is the thing that I find frustrating, is that at the end, so in WandaVision, Wanda is doing something that is very definitely wrong um, in order because she is created this world for herself where she is basically, I think, trying to either ignore or suppress the realization that it's, it's hurting everyone else around her. And finally, she gets to a point where she can't be in denial about that anymore. And so she willingly makes the decision to sacrifice the family and the happiness she's created in order to put things right, you know, to free the everyone else around her. Um, so it's like, you know, she's again, she's doing the wrong thing. It is kind of a villain story, but she also makes a choice and it's a hard choice, but she it's the right one and she makes that. And now in this, she's like, oops, never mind. I should never have done that. Uh, I'm going to kill this girl and rip apart possibly reality in order to get my kids back after I disappeared them. Yeah, I had kind of issues with that, too. And I can't tell if I'm being insensitive with this, but it's like she knew her kids for like two days. Like, yeah, maybe it's a mother's love that made her want them back so badly or the fact that she dreamt about that. I don't know. But I'm just like, you knew those kids for two days. Why do you want them back so bad? And I tell you, I felt like such a like such a jerk when I first thought that in the middle of the movie. I'm like, mother's love, Jen, you wouldn't understand. The, <laughs> the logical side of me is just like, it's only been two days. It's like a Disney princess movie where you've known each other for so long. 
Yeah. And I mean, the other thing about that is that at the end of WandaVision, when she's reading the book, you can hear voices off in the, and you, it sounds like you can hear the kids saying, mom, help us. So it's like, okay, if you wanted to, you know, kind of, again, I'm not saying that, you know, Wanda's ever going to be justified in killing a bunch of people and killing America, but, you know, if she was like, my kids are in danger, someone's like torturing them, you know, that would be like, okay, I can see that desperation. Yeah, that would um, be a better motivating factor than just wanting them back, I guess. Yeah, again, after she made the choice, because that's the other thing for me, you know, uh, my little fan fiction brain started worrying. Um, and because the thing is, I'm not saying I dislike necessarily her ending up as the bad guy, although I do have a couple of things about it that make me uncomfortable, which is, you know, we talk about like her as a mom. And I think that there's, there's kind of a tradition of being like, well, you know, women, they do crazy things for their kids. Whereas like when men do stuff to protect their kids, that's violent. It's like, Oh yeah, cool. It's a revenge action movie usually. Yeah. I Um, definitely see that. I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And then there's also a lot of kind of other sort of cultural baggage surrounding the idea of like witches going after children that I could get into um, that, you know, I'm like, okay, this is some kind of loaded symbols that you're playing with. Um, Although it does definitely give me a Wizard of Oz vibe, especially when she first shows up at Kamaratage. It's like, I'm going to get you, America, and your little Doctor Strange, too. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Strange. I'm not a pet. Yes, you are. <laughs> like both Wanda and America. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I see what you mean. Especially the whole menacing smoke thing happening. Yeah. Yeah, she felt she gave she felt very Wicked Witch of the West um, in in that scene. But uh, but anyway, so like I do I do enjoy. It's one of those things where I feel very conflicted because like on the one hand, you know, the idea of the witch is like so loaded historically, but I also do love a wicked witch. You know, they're a lot of fun. Oh yeah, Um, for sure. So like, if I wanted to set this up so that, again, I'm not saying to justify Wanda, but to at least, you know, make it make sense from a character perspective, I feel like WandaVision would have ended with her basically saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to give this up. I'm going to keep everyone in the hex. So I can keep my family and my husband. I mean, that's another question I have. Where's Vision? Why does no one talk about Vision and all this? No kidding. Like, one of my issues that I had with this was how quickly Wanda jumped from missing Pietro to, oh, I got Vision. Who's Pietro? To, oh, Vision's gone. Okay. Oh, wait. I have my kids. Who's Vision? You know, like, just jumps from one person to another in her grief. And I don't know. That could be a director thing but i'm just like girl like do you need someone to cling to in order to function i I don't know i think she does yeah like i kind of think that's what's going on here is that she's i mean but again i i feel like part of it is it's frustrating how you know in age of ultron i mean there's so many things that are frustrating about age of ultron but it's like (laughs) she loses and she's you know very upset by that and then in civil war there's no mention of him and there's no mention of him until we get to WandaVision and WandaVision finally like backtracks and is like, okay, let's go through everything that's happened in Wanda's life. So, 
you know, she lost her, her parents at a young age. She, you know, is an Eastern European war refugee, which is, uh, super depressingly relevant right now. Yep. Um, and she, you know, she had this house, she was experimented on. She had this, you know, crazy cosmic power. Then she lost her brother. Then she fell in love with vision. Then she lost vision, you know? And it's, I think it does a good job of like recontextualizing all of that. Um, but the movies don't do a great job of like keeping those threads together. So like, yeah, for me, if WandaVision had ended with her saying, you know, I'm not going to give this up. I don't care if other people are miserable. I deserve to be happy for once. And then someone had come in and taken that away from her. Well, let's say that someone is Dr. Strange. Someone's like, okay, we got to call in the Sorcerer Supreme. They bring in Dr. Strange. And also Dr. Strange, when he confronts her about the kids, he's like, well, they're not real. You just made them with magic. Yeah. So imagine Dr. Strange shows up and he's all like, okay, none of this is real. I'm going to poof her kids away. And, you know, by his logic, it's okay because they're not real. Yeah. But by Wanda's logic, he murdered her whole family. Yeah. Now, see, that would make sense, you know? Yeah. And then Wanda's on the warpath and wants to get revenge on Strange. Um, and then also that can play into this theme of Dr. Strange needs to stop acting unilaterally like this. And, you know, maybe he tells Wong what happened and Wong's like, wait, what? You did that? Are you kidding? Like, why didn't you ask anyone about that? Like, why didn't you try and find another solution? You know? Yeah. I mean, one of the themes of this movie is, um, Christine Palmer, you know, Rachel McAdams character saying like, you always had to be the one holding the knife. And it's mm-hmm. true. That's kind of Doctor Strange's thing that he has to do things his way, solo way. It's the only way. It's my way or the highway kind of thing. And that yeah. would have fit very well into his character with your new ending of WandaVision here. His way is best, but then you got Wong like, dude, no. Yeah. And I mean, I do, I do like, I do like what we get. It's just that you know, they kind of touch on the decision with the time stone early on, but they don't even mention like what he did with Peter, where he, he was basically going to let, he almost ripped the multiverse apart just to help Peter when he, I mean, granted part of it, Peter, you know, probably should have thought things through, but also Stephen is the adult. Um, and he's, you know, the presumably more experienced adult and he's got the magical power and Wong told him no. And so like, <laughs> He should have been the responsible, again, I keep coming back to this idea of adult. He should have been the responsible adult in that situation and not done that for Peter. And I I kind of wish that someone else had brought that up of like, well, you almost ripped apart the multiverse just to help that spider dude. Okay. So, you know, maybe you need to think, or again, ask other people before you do stuff like this. Yeah. No kidding. Huh? Uh, Doctor Strange. He had a lot of growth in this movie, I'll give him that, but still a bit of recklessness here and there. Yeah, he he did. And also, I mean, I do I do hope this doesn't just end up being his character arc on repeat, because that's the other thing with Wanda, is that, you know, if this is her arc in this movie and that was her arc in WandaVision, it seems like she just kind of had the same arc, except in this it became more extreme. You know, yeah. she had an arc where she was doing a bad thing. She real, and that's kind of how she started. She was, you know, she got in. I mean, I would argue that 
in Age of Ultron, she just is, she's deceived into it instead of like actually, you know, willingly doing something um, that's as bad. Uh, Cause I, I think she's got a lot of reasonable points until she realizes that she accidentally helped create a murder bot. Yeah. Um, but I mean, also Tony was the one who did that. It's just, she then was like, okay, you seem cool. I was like, oh wait, no, you are not cool. <laughs> abort abort mission yeah it does seem like she's got her arc on repeat too you know yeah and so that's the other reason why i wanted you know if i would go back and change it i would have wandavision end with her saying you know that's it i'm done trying to be good um you know because at least in like that's the thing i will say for civil war at least her arc is different in that she did the right thing and then got punished for it basically yeah um you know because in age of ultron i mean also i do think again for wanda the white the right thing always has to hurt you know in age of ultron in order to fix the ultron problem she loses her brother and then in civil war she tries to save people and she gets blamed and then she gets blamed again for trying to save people and locked up and put in a shock collar you know Uh um and then in infinity war she's on the run and then she has to kill the man she loves and it doesn't matter because the war she gets killed anyway and everyone gets killed anyway and then she comes back and then you know she creates her anomaly and well it turns out it's hurting people so she has to give it up so yeah whenever wanda does the right thing it's very painful to her oh Wow, I never really thought of it that way. I knew her character was tragic, but man, when you list it out that way, I'm just like, this girl could not get a break, can she? Yeah, no, she just, when anytime, again, whenever she, for her, doing the right thing is always going to hurt. It's never fun. It's never easy. Um, And that's actually why I think she and Strange make a good sort of foil here, or she works as the villain to Strange, because with her she's what he could become you know and we see that in the different stranges we see how easily he could go over the line um and so for him because he also has that same problem in that nothing you know this doesn't make him happy this doesn't make him satisfied it's he always kind of has to give things up it's either you know he loses his hands to become the person he needs to be he has to give up christine you know in every single universe literally every single universe (laughs) he and christine are like the reverse steve and peggy steve and peggy will like always find each other christine and steven will always break up (laughs) oh my gosh you're so right oh man a part of me feels sad about that but a part of me is just like they're not gonna work out anyways like i'm not sad about a couple that will never work out we're fine they will cosmically never work out like we have proof that they are cosmically never work never work out it will never work out in any universe i like how america has met enough stevens to be like oh yeah you guys no it messed up so horribly yeah, he's like, nope, he keeps messing up. That's just how this is. That That's... Um, sorry, Doctor Strange. I'm all for everyone should have, like, a true love or whatever, but you might need to find someone else, dude. Well, Clea shows up at the end. I have no idea who that is. Do you have any idea who her character is? 
Um, I have not read any Doctor Strange comics, but I have read about her. Uh, she is, and she's played by Charlize Theron, which is super cool. Yes. Um, she's like the, the daughter of, I think she's actually related to Dormammu. Oh, she's like his, snap! So she comes from like a demon family, but, you know, has decided to uh, work against them, so. Oh, that should be fascinating, because I haven't... I haven't read any Doctor Strange comics yet. So this character was like, I don't know who you are. I just know you're Charlize and I am happy about that. Yeah. So presumably she's going to be a new love interest. Unless Doctor Strange gets together with Wong, uh, which I would be down with. I am down for almost any homosexual couple ever, just because I am all for the representation for the queer community. But... I'm not sure how that would work out either, but I would not be opposed to it either. I feel like Wong would be the one to settle Stephen down. I think they have a bickered married couple vibe that I dig, or a bickering married couple vibe that I, I, I'm kind of into. Yeah, I, I can see I that. Mean, yes. Someone make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I obviously think it's probably going to be Clea, but, you know, I don't think anyone else ships Wong and Strange, so I feel like I have to put it out there. I think the only one I've seen people ship Doctor Strange with is uh, Tony Stark, but I feel like Tony Stark is like the one everyone ships with. I, I don't know, man. But that's all I've seen in fan fiction. I feel like people just like put names on a dartboard and then throw them and then like throw <laughs> to them to get to get ships for Tony Stark. <laughs> oh, they haven't even talked in the canon verse too much. No, it's fine. <laughs> we can make it happen. <laughs> A dartboard. Well, no, I love yeah, it. because Doctor Strange got him killed, so oh. <laughs> deliberately picked the universe where he dies. Oh yeah, Doctor Strange totally did that on purpose. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, just to sink the ship. <laughs> he read the fanfic out there, and he's just like, nope. "Nope, I have to do something about this." Nope, this must end. <laughs> oh my god, it's too funny. But yeah, Doctor yeah. Strange might be with Charlize Theron. Lucky. She is a cutie pie. I know. Like, he's uh, he's a, he's a lucky man. Um, even if he doesn't get with Rachel McAdams, which somebody pointed out around the time What If came out that now there have been, like, multiple pieces of media that's just about, like, guys messing with time travel to get with Rachel McAdams. <laughs> She's worth messing with the timeline for. <laughs> she is. She is. She's just that lovely. Uh, it's too funny. Uh, but yeah, I really did like the way their relationship was kind of um, got more development in this. Right. Um, yeah, that's another point I was going to bring up that they gave more screen time to Christine Palmer, made her more integral to the plot. I was, I was pleased. Yeah, me too. I kind of just figured. I knew she was going to be in it, but I just figured it would be like a little cameo or something. Oh yeah, same. Um, or it would just be like a, you know, basically I figured it would be that wedding scene where it's like, oh, she's the one who got away, and then moving on. Um, same, but though. I really appreciate how they made that integral, and also just how I don't know. There's something very touching about his sort of confession to her about how he he is so lonely and so unhappy and also like uh when we get sort of bad haircut strange being like 
he had the same interaction with her. He said he was happy and he's like, why do why did I lie about that? And that's when he started like bumping off the other strangers, which I'm like, okay, if that isn't a metaphor for self-loathing, I don't know what is. <laughs> Literal self-loathing. Yes. But it's like, you know, because he can never let anybody in, because he has to kind of keep up this facade of being in control and having it all together, he just, he can't be vulnerable and he also can't be kind of known by anyone, you know? And so he's deeply lonely, but he doesn't know how to connect. Yeah. What, what was it that you said before about all the heroes needing therapy? <laughs> yep. That just keeps, keeps coming up. You know, we keep suggesting it, but they don't go. My gosh. Yeah. The dude needs some therapy, not more adventures, and definitely not talks with himself. No, no, thank you. Yeah, he, he needs to stop. Normally I'm I'm like, you know, everyone talks to themselves a little bit, but I'm like, no, I don't think Steven should talk to himself. <laughs> I think he's a bad influence on himself. Yeah, there are some characters where their own selves is their worst influence, and he is definitely one of them. Yeah. So... So yeah, and I also sort of like, again, I hope that the next movie isn't just him making these same mistakes, because like, I did appreciate the fact that instead of having like him be the one who screws up, it's other versions of him. So he can see that and he can see again, this flaw in himself without it being like, you know, without it being our strange who does this and is like, oopsie doodle. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I learned a lesson, you know. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too, that he's the one strange that was different. Because all these other ones are showing that they go dark or they're willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means killing the innocent and such. But he's just like, no, no, I'm going to save this kid. I'm not going to take her powers. Even though America at some point is like, just take it, just do it. I understand now. And he's just like, no, no, there is another way. I will not be the one holding the knife. Yeah, yeah. I um I I appreciated that. I kind of wonder, do you have an idea of like why are our strange? I and mean, we're going to just call him our strange. Um <laughs> is is different than the other strangers. Well, for one thing, the snap didn't happen in any other universe that we've seen so far. Because even America was like, "What?" You know, and when he visits the one with the Illuminati, they're like, "Yeah, there was a Thanos, but yeah, he didn't wipe out half the universe or whatever." So I think, like, the snap definitely changed him, gave him some perspective when he saw all those realities, saw the sacrifice that Tony made, saw everyone come together, saw all the lives lost. And then even though he doesn't remember Peter Parker being Spider-Man, I'm assuming he does remember, like, knowing Spider-Man and probably getting the sense, like, that's a kid, you know? Yeah, he seems to have some memory of, of Spider-Man or Peter or something. Um, because that's, you know, they talked to America about that. Also, I appreciate America being like, wait, he shoots webs out his butt? I swear to gosh. I was like, only a teenager would say that. Oh my gosh, she is so young. She's a baby. Oh my gosh, what? Out of his butt? And I'm like, it's a logical assumption for what we know about spiders. Well, also that a Spider-Man would be very creepy looking. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you don't know how many comics and TV shows of iterations have shown me that. And I'm like, nope, 
Nope. I, I like yeah. our Spider-Man just fine. No spider, just all man. We're fine. All man with some webs. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah, yeah. I That actually brings up a, a point about the dialogue is that I feel like America definitely seems like a kid um, in a way that, you know, it doesn't feel like, hello, fellow kids, the way she's written. <laughs> like she... Yeah, she doesn't seem like she was written by a 40-year-old writer. Um. <laughs> right? No, no, she's an actual kid. That she's just like, oh yeah, you know, one of the rules about entering another universe, find something to eat. Wait, you guys have to pay for your food? You don't know how many dimensions out there where you don't have to pay for your food. Oh wait, you have to pay for your food. Oh, uh, you got this, bro? I'm just gonna make this guy slap himself. We're fine. Yeah. I also love the fact that, like, even though she's a nice person, she still thinks that's funny. <laughs> yeah, she's so young, and despite her tragedy, you know, she's, she's, she's still got a smile on her face every now and then. And she still yeah. has to rely on the adults around her. Just, ah. I'd coddle her if I could, but knowing the kind of badass she turns out to be, she'll shove me away. Not yet. You need to cut, hug her when she's little. Yeah, just, no, sweetie, I'll, I'll protect you. She'll be like, yeah, okay. Like another five years, get off me. But um, I also feel like that that whole incident sort of cements my um, my head, my read as Doctor Strange as the weird uncle. That's a that's a very like weird uncle thing to do. Like, yeah, I made him slap himself for three weeks. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it really like, is. That is your weird uncle if he has magic powers. Honestly, though, who wouldn't make someone slap themselves for three weeks? Like, okay, Doctor Strange, that that's okay. That's an unusual punishment there for just a rude dude, but I, I accept this. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's something that I'll, I'll say is that in terms of the dialogue that worked, um, I think Tommy and Billy do also seem like real kids, even though they're kind of not real. It's complicated. Yeah. Honestly, I love seeing them again. And not just because in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's our superhero babies again. Oh my gosh, you know. But I'm like, oh, they're so cute. You can tell they really do love their mom and they adore her and she adores them. They wrote that little ice cream song for her. Just, oh. As someone who works with kids pretty regularly, I can honestly tell you that that's how bubbly and spontaneous they are. Yeah, especially when they're thinking about ice cream. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Can't go wrong with kids and ice cream. Yeah, nice to see Billy and Tommy again. I was I was pleased as punch. Yeah. I um that some of those scenes were really, really kind of touching. Like I, I also sort of like the little detail when they're like, Come on, can we have more ice cream? She's like, No, don't make me the bad guy, you know. Because <laughs> I feel like if you know in in other stuff like that she'd be like okay i guess you can but i'm like yeah that's what that that sounds more like a real mom you know oh yeah for sure wanda definitely grew up a lot and not just because of her tragedy but being a mom is a lot of work she's like nah 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 i can't have you you know eating all that much junk food yeah so so that just seemed like to me very kind of real it's like you know showing her sort of doing a real real mom thing and you know being like having some about like setting some boundaries you know oh yeah definitely um, that was very nice and, 
Yeah, I feel very bad for this version of Wanda because it's like, I don't know what happened to her before, but like, she seems to have things all figured out. And now other Wanda just comes in and takes over her body. Yeah, dream walking, I think is what they call it, which, ew, it's up there with mind control, folks. You don't do that. And the fact that that's an actual thing was pretty brilliant. Especially when they have that theory like, oh, every time you dream, you're dreaming of like your other reality or whatever. I thought that was very clever. Yeah. Also, Wong is in several other universes where he's in his underwear, I think, being chased by a clown or something. I'm just like, Wong, what do you do in your spare time when you're not the Sorcerer Supreme? (laughs) Like, what do you do, sir? (laughs) I know, because that's the thing is like, if that's just a regular like stress dream, it's like, I'm sure everyone's had weird ones like that. But it's like the fact that apparently that's another universe. (laughs) Yeah, Wong, what do you do in your spare time? Why are you in your underwear? Why does a clown feel the need to chase you? What what are you doing? I don't know. I don't understand clowns. They're weird. Oh my gosh, they totally are. (laughs) But yeah, the, the lore with some of this magical stuff is actually very unique, you know. That plus the different dimensions that... Steven in America bust through, you know, with the paint and the weird blocky thing. And then the one they actually end up with where they meet the Illuminati is all very unique and creative. Like, oh my gosh, like the writers, the creators, the designers and stuff, they must have had a lot of fun playing with that. Yeah, I I liked some of the visuals in this. And again, that's another sort of reoccurring criticism I have of the MCU is that like, you know, I think Asgard looks super tacky. So, <laughs> like, and that's one of the few fantastical settings we get because other than that, like, stuff takes place in a lot of, like, concrete bunkers, you know? Yeah, New York, uh, skyscrapers, concrete bunkers. Uh, trying to think anything else. No, that's about it. That That is literally the crux of it. Yeah, so, like, I, I appreciated a lot of the sort of visuals going on in this movie, like, the um, the dimension with the Illuminati and, like, how New York is just, like, covered in flowers, like, in super futuristic looking. Like, I like the fact that that's the f- sort of a future or, like, a more advanced present is it's, like, it's, like, you know, covered in, like, glass and skyscrapers, but also covered in flowers. Yeah, I, it was cool. gorgeous. I mean, that's kind of, you know, what I hope the future will look like because we need to plant more plants. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you know, and should we talk about that dimension? Should we talk specifically about the Illuminati? Because I'm actually surprised we haven't talked about Captain Carter a lot sooner. Yeah, you're right. Good point. Well, we've had a lot of others. There's just a lot going on in this movie. Um, So much going on. We haven't even talked about it in chronological order, which I am not sad by. There's just so much to talk about. But the Illuminati is definitely something I desperately wanted to talk about the moment they came on screen. Okay. Um, before we get to the Illuminati, is it okay if I just go through a couple of other things with the visuals that I enjoy? Oh, please. Yes. Um, Go ahead. Okay. So... One of the, I really like the New York look. I really love the sort of like dark dimension with bad haircut strange. Like I oh. love how unsettling that place is and like how sort of gray and washed out. And also the fact that like when they're walking up to the house, it's like there are bones everywhere, you know, it's, it's gothic as heck. And I really liked it. Uh, it was so creepy. Looks so dead. 
like a worse version of Wanda's surrounding area, you know, when Strange first went to her for help. All dead, and you could tell that all the bad things sucked the life out of everything. And just I know when she the contrast between that like idyllic like little European you know farm with the apple trees and then when it's like she reveals this blasted wasteland like I thought that looked neat. Um, I really loved the way her powers manifest, like the scene where she's you know starts to where she attacks Camaritage and like also just how powerful is Wanda? I kind of I, I love the fact that they're just like. Is she overpowered? Yes. Yes, she is. It's a problem. (laughs) It's an actual problem, folks. Yeah. And like the fact that that fight was allowed to be kind of nasty, you know, like you see people like screaming and getting hurt and like um, also the scene where she gets into the guy's head and tells him to run like that was creepy. And then, you know, when she tries to get in, and you know, gets trapped in the like the mirror room but then comes out through the reflections like again that was creepy and we and cool to look at um, oh my gosh yes i continue to love her costume and her look um like the the tiara looks great uh i like her like you know black nail polish that goes all the way up her fingers um to sort of show like what happens when you mess with that book it's like her hands are like covered in soot you know yeah it's so messed up it's literally sucking the life out of her i'm thinking yeah yeah so like i like that i like the sort of people floating over the candle ring you know again it's all very like i like they're they're going to going back to the roots of this comic which is very you know 1960s like trippy and occult and yeah, I, I dig it. Um, and then also I love kind of the way they the way they present the sort of idea of the Scarlet Witch. Um, because I remember in WandaVision when Agatha's like, you're the Scarlet Witch. And I'm like, what does that mean if you haven't read the comics? <laughs> right. You know, I'm like, you're saying that like it's supposed to be meaningful in this universe. But then to have Wong kind of explain this idea and then also when they show up where the Darkhold is and there's these Cthulhu things and then you see that Wanda's carved on the wall. Yeah, that was something else that I really did not expect, you know, the fact that like she even referred to herself separately almost like the Scarlet Witch instead of I, Wanda Maximoff or whatever. I'm just like, oh, we're getting dissociation. That's no. Yeah, like. It, it makes me wonder about that whole, is it like, is this being possessing her or is it like a, another part of her? Like, did she come into her? Like, you know, did Wanda create the Scarlet Witch? Like how, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, I'm but curious. not in a bad way, like in a good way. I want to know more. Yeah, same, because who did build, who made that? Darkhold place, you know, with her statue or whatever. I'm like, that can't be coincidence. This girl hasn't been alive that long. Is it an entity? Are her powers like the source of an entity? You know, along with like the Infinity Stone? I have questions, folks. Yeah. But also, like, again, the fact that these things like bow down before her, like they've been waiting for her for millennia. Yeah. Um, is she maybe like a reincarnation or like is she from another dimension yeah i just i have a lot of questions but in a good way like i like the fact that it's ambiguous yeah especially since i'm pretty sure she didn't die 
oh no, she's she's not gone. We didn't see the body. We don't see the body. There wasn't a funeral. Not that there's a funeral for all our characters, <laughs> but um, anyways. Yeah, I didn't see a body. That's <laughs> the important we're gonna part. Let that go. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think that. Um. And then let's see. Kind of the opposite of of that in terms of the the meaning. Um. I like how they set up the book of Bashanti. Um. In terms of the 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 style, the way they stylize that sanctuary, I was looking at. It, I was like, a lot of this looks really familiar, and I kind of realized that they have different religious iconography surrounding it. Oh, really? Um, like what? Yeah. Okay. So the if you remember, the books at kind of an altar in the middle of there are four pillars around it. Yeah. Um, and those are based on the Bernini altar in um in the Vatican. So in St. Peter's Basilica. Oh, wow. So that's why I was like, these look so familiar. I'm like, oh, it's the Bernini altar from St. Peter's Basilica. So you've got um, like some Christian symbolism. But then if you see the kind of the glass, stained glass like floor is in, it's got a lot of Islamic patterns. So these repeating kind of geometric patterns that you see in mosques. Uh-huh. Um, and then it looks like there's a Star of David on the actual, like, stand that the book is on when he takes it off. Oh, really? I didn't catch that. Wow. Also, the stand itself, like, the way sort of behind it, it looks like there, it looks like we're, you know, again, something that you'd see on an altar, but then there's this, like, Egyptian imagery. It doesn't look like an individual Egyptian god, so I guess it's it's kind of just generally Egyptian. But anyway, I thought that that was neat, the idea of, like, this book being holy, but they're showing that through a bunch of different, through a few different, or at least the three big Abrahamic religions. They're using that to, to, con- to communicate that. Oh, okay. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. So yeah, so that was just something I noticed and I wanted to to shout out. Um, and then the other thing that's kind of cool, and I promise I'm going to bring us right back to the Illuminati, because <laughs> the building the Illuminati is in is the British Museum. Really? Yeah, oh, that's wow. the building. That building, and then have the fight in the courtyard. That's the British Museum. Oh wow! I completely missed that. I, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, I I thought that that was that was neat too. So so yeah, I promise. I took us on a little tangent, but I brought us back to the Illuminati. No, no, no please always take us on the tangent. Like like I mentioned before, uh, off the mic, that you've got that perfect combination of like intellect as like a scholar but intellect as a fangirl so yes <laughs> sorcerer supreme speak your truth yes my truth is oh my god oh my god oh my god but also let me analyze <laughs> we need that around here and british museum okay yeah i'm down for that all right illuminati oh my gosh oh my gosh i was like there was just so much in there that I was not expecting. Um, I was not expecting to see John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic right? because that's been a fan cast. I was like, wait, is this a fan cast? Like this looks, this has been out there for so long as a fan cast. Oh my gosh. It completely caught me off guard because I, I knew that uh, Charles Xavier would be there because we heard Sir Patrick Stewart's voice in the trailer. 
And then yeah. one of the trailers showed uh, Captain Carter's British shield. And I'm like, oh, we get Captain Carter too. Oh my gosh. You know, but everyone oh, else. I missed that trailer. Oh girl. I lost my mind. Bridget had uh, sent it and was like, guys, oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh snap. I'm sorry. You're not watching this. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I I guess I missed that part in the trailer or something, because I was totally caught off. I was totally surprised by Captain Carter. And I'm glad because I wish I didn't know about Patrick Stewart, but I did because actually not because of the trailer, because I was looking at the promo, the premiere photos, and I saw him and I was like, wait, what's he doing in this? I'm like, wait a second. Is wait a this? Right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So we got Charles Xavier. We got Captain Carter, Richard Reeds. We got Captain Marvel as uh, Maria Rambo. Uh, we got Carl Mordo, which, oh, he's back. Okay, knew that, but okay, cool. Sorcerer Supreme. All right. And then last but not least, uh, Black Agar Boltagon, a.k.a. Black Bolt, which I only know of the character briefly from reading the Civil War comics. So I was surprised yet pleased to see him, you know, but... I forgot for a moment that he's kind of a wise dude, you know, just. So, yeah, the, uh, we got the Illuminati group. I was. Wow, fangirling a little, you know, it's me sitting there in the theater trying not to choke on my Sour Patch Kids. Just like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. John Krasinski, what are you doing here? Oh, my gosh. You know, because the whole him being Reed Richards never occurred to me. But I'm happy it's a thing and may regain my faith in the Fantastic Four being on the big screen again if he's leading the charge here. Yeah, I I mean, I don't like the Fantastic Four are not characters I have a huge amount of investment in. I was just like, I figured, you know, we haven't gotten really anything about what they're doing with them. So I just figured it would be a long time before we saw anything. So I was just like, oh, wow, you know, we've already got the Fantastic Four. I mean, I'm curious to know if he actually signed on for multiple movies or if this is just cameo. Cause like, that's the thing about the multiverse is that on the one hand you can say like, well, it's really cynical because then they can just kind of throw a bunch of cameos in there. Um, but then there's me being like, yes, exactly. They can throw a bunch of cameos in there. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like in the real world, actors grow old they pass or they lose interest, which is fine, of course, you yeah. know, but that also means we have potentials. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We have potentials for new actors and we can just say, oh, that's uh, Earth 616's version or Earth 838 or whatever the case may be. And so I don't know what they're going to have for John Krasinski, but I, I'm really hoping that he they sign him on for more and that he's willing to do so. He did very well as Reed Richards. Like from what I've seen of him in like other comics, just he portrayed him very well. Am I surprised? Not at all. I have a lot of respect for John Krasinski as an actor. Yeah. I I mean, for me, it's a little bit different because like anytime I encounter Mr. Fantastic in the comics, he's being a jerk. <laughs> so like, I do not like that. Like what I've read of that character, I do not like him. So I hope that John Krasinski will make him more likable. Oh, man. Oh, I again, I, I hope they keep him. And then, of course, seeing Maria Rambeau as uh, Captain Marvel made me squeal a little, too. I'm like, girl, yeah! You know, I lost my mind a little. It's fine. 
I know. Yeah, that that was super super cool. Um, for me, I was I was very surprised to see um, Anson Mount as Black Bolt because I know everyone hated that in Humans TV show. Um, <laughs> I forgot that was a thing, but yeah, that they got the same actor to play him. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I think that was neat, you know, to like call back to something that may not have been you know, was, was kind of a flop, but be like, well, you know, this was a good part of it, or this guy is a, cause I know, um, that actor from other stuff, he's, uh, in Star Trek right now. Yeah. Um, cool. And so I already like him from that. So I'm just like, oh, that's cool that he gets to come back for this. Yeah. I, I like that the MC is doing that, by the way, that they're bringing in people from like the shows or whatever that you kind of forgot about. Like with uh, Charlie Cox as Daredevil and Vincent D'Onofrio as the Kingpin. I, I'm, I'm pretty pleased that some of these actors are willing to come back, you know? Yeah, yeah. That that makes me happy, too, because I didn't love the way that the TV shows were always just kind of off in their own little corner. Um, but I feel like, it's funny, I feel like they've been kind of scooting them back in for a while. Like, we got Jarvis in Endgame, which made me so, so happy. So happy, um, <laughs> so happy like yeah that scene i think was written to be caroline catnip right there it's like <laughs> yes Accepted. it was for me it's like you know i'm i'm the only one who loves howard i love jarvis from the agent carter series and they're like jarvis from agent carter series is now canon in the main movies okay we brought him over um and so that made me very happy um and then you know little by little they've been coming back it was fun to see charlie cox back again after daredevil um it's you know it's cool that they again even as hated as inhumans was that they you know brought someone back from that so it's it's neat to see them kind of you know bringing things back into the main timeline um so that was neat and then of course captain carter who we manifested into reality yes Uh, yes Thank you, Haley Atwell, for not being bored with this character. Thank you. She will always be Peggy Carter in my mind. Like, again, I am cool with, like, them picking different actors because of contract issues or boredom or old, whatever. I'm fine with that. But Haley Atwell, man. I know. I I just love the fact that she still loves this character and still is, is this character. But also just the fact that, like, Again, think about where Peggy started. Peggy was just the love interest. She was the love interest in one of the first movies. And we all loved her so much that she is still in the movies. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So good. And the fact that they brought back Captain Carter and made her such an awesome suited shield. I lost my mind. Oh. I know. The thing is, I knew, I had faith in the fact that some form of live-action Captain Carter was coming, but I did not expect to see her right away, and I didn't expect her to say, we're gonna, we, I can do this all day. Oh. And I didn't expect her to have a cool jetpack. That was fun. Um, like, yeah, she just, uh, it was, it was very good to see her. Um, so good. Oh my gosh. Also, in a weird way, like, okay, can we talk about the way all of them, do, like, die horribly? I was gonna like, get so into that. I, like, oh And then gosh. they all die. They did them so dirty. But at the same time, I, I love it. like, I, I loved it too. 
like that morbid twisted part of me was just like die <laughs> i know well i just love the audacity of like oh hey we're bringing back these characters that you you know either didn't remember or you love and we're gonna kill them in horrible ways the audacity man <laughs> the sheer audacity oh I my just, God. i love how messed up it was for each of them it's like black bolt she sews like closes his mouth off and makes him destroy himself that was insane like, what mouth oh and he had already like did his signature shout or whatever is so a blew up his head like oh yeah i got this and then oops nope lost it there who was the next one to go I think she then turns Mr. Fantastic into spaghetti. There we go. Yeah, that's a hard one to beat a rubber body or whatever. I was just like, oh, oh, oh John Grinziski, no, I don't want, I, I do not like seeing you die on screen. It hurts me every time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then she chops Captain Carter in half with her own shield. That physically hurt me. Like, like it hurt me in a good way when she said I could do this all day. And then see her, you're getting cut in half. I was like, oh. Oh, different kind of pain. Okay, bring me the Sour Patch. That's like, a, that's like a messed up anime death. Like, that. that's in a Marvel movie? Again, I'm just like, I'm kind of good for them for going there. Yeah, it's like, wow. Seriously. You guys are not playing around. They are not. I was seriously thinking of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier with Walker, like, degrading that shield to kill that dude or whatever. But this was like yeah. so much worse. I'm like, oh, using your own weapon. Oh my gosh. And then But I also there's a part of me that kind of appreciates that because like one of the the things about the superhero genre is often there's a lot of just very bloodless violence, you know? Oh yeah. There's a lot of but no consequences. And so like I kind of appreciate the fact that this shield, which is, you know, a shield's a big kind of burly weapon like and you can often you can use that as a defensive weapon but you can also use it to bash someone's head in oh yeah um, for sure that that's a deadly weapon like we see it ricochet and we kind of squee a bit but then we think of civil war when cab drove it into tony's chest and then we think of walker using it to kill that dude and now this i'm just like oh that is a weapon oh snap yeah well, I mean, okay, in Civil War, you know, Tony has a flying tank versus two kind of strong dudes, one of whom has a metal arm and the other one who has a shield, you know, like that was, that's an embarrassing loss right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, so many feelings on that, but you're not wrong. Yeah. I mean, so he seriously he he picked a he picked a fight that he could not finish somehow, despite the overwhelming firepower. The overwhelming fire. That's just how good Cap and Bucky are. I'm leaning more towards Cap because I'm focusing on the shield here, vibranium for the win. I guess. Just oh man, cut our girl in half. Yep, it's uh, vibranium is 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 tough stuff. Oh, did her so dirty. And then I think next was Captain Marvel, right? It's good to see Maria Rambeau back, by the way. Yeah, although I do think I'm like, okay, I'm a little bit, I think they a little bit stacked the deck for Wanda. Again, I'm guessing that, you know, I guess she's basically a god, but I feel like Captain Marvel is also basically a god, so. I was going to say, it seemed a little too simple that Rubble killed her. Yeah, Rubble shouldn't have been able to do it. But, you know, I, again, I appreciate that if, 
she did win, then the movie would be over. So, yeah, yeah, I can imagine a cinematic theorist going for that on YouTube soon enough if they haven't already. Oh, yeah, I'm sure somebody has been like, well, I kind of want to see like the nerd bros figure this one out because like they complain all the time about Captain Marvel being overpowered and they complain all the time about Wanda being overpowered. And now they have to come down on the side of either one of them. Yo, I need to, to call see it that. a plot hole. Yeah, they they got to do it. <laughs> They've got to be like, actually, it wouldn't make sense for her to kill Captain Marvel because Captain Marvel is very strong. Oh, no. Oh, no. Do they just not like women having a lot of power or something? I, um, yeah, I, that that's it. That's just it. Ouch. Like, I want to come up with a clever response to that or like a sarcastic, oh no, that's not what's going on, but I'm sorry. That's what's going on. Ooh, then like, I do want to see them actually talk about the logistics of Scarlet Witch versus Captain Marvel, you know, from what we've seen in the movies or the comics or, you know, a bit of both. Because yeah, I thought it was a little bit too contrived that Captain Marvel died by rubble. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Wanda would have to like get in her head, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was clever to kill uh, Black Bolt by taking away his mouth so that he exploded his own head, you know, that that makes sense. You know, and then, of course, Captain Carter with her own shield, and then uh, later with uh, Professor X, how he's kind of killed in, like, the Mindscape or whatever you want to call that, you know? Yeah, I think it would have been too similar to Professor X, because then... Again, profess- they're all sort of killed on their own terms with their own stuff. Because it's like Professor X tries to go in her mind, but Wanda's mind is a scary, scary place and he can't deal with it. <laughs> yeah, that, that sums it up for him. Because I really thought he would last a little longer because the dude, he's overpowered if you ever watch the X-Men movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, he and, I mean, he, in the X-Men movies, though I feel like he and Magneto are both overpowered. So that's the problem. Oh man, that's a whole nother conversation there. Overpowered men and women in the Marvel universe and the logistics of it. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. I guess I guess I feel like that could be a whole like power level. I guess yeah, we we would have to do like a I don't know Dragon Ball Z type thing where I'm like, well, their power levels are at a <laughs> ultimate power. i I mean i keep going with this but um we have to stop i have to stop at some point exactly (laughs) if it was a dragon ball thing the scream would go on for much longer so much longer um, the anime scream of power though it's real yeah but the thing i mean the thing about like a quote-unquote overpowered character is that like they're only overpowered if they can solve the problem easily with their powers, you know? Yeah. And like with Wanda, it's interesting that you have all these pretty tough overpowered or otherwise individuals going up against her, but it's not brawn that beats her, but emotion. Like, I was like, okay, we brought it up before Steven himself and Wong had brought it up before to Wanda. Like, Okay, so let's just say you win, you get your kids back. What about the Wanda of that universe? What does that mean for the boys? You know, you're not technically their mother. She's kind of like, I'm going to do it anyways. But then she actually sees it for herself, and that's what breaks her. Yeah, I know. That's the thing, is that, like, again, Wanda 
can, you know, Wanda can bend reality and she can move stuff with her mind and she can get into people's heads, but she can't get the thing she wants because that's, you know, her family and her kids loving her and you can't, you know, force those things. Yeah, sorry, can't punch our way out of this one. Gotta go right for the heart, just like how Marvel's been doing to us for years. And again, that's that's also kind of how Steven is, um, because he, you know, he's someone who has this cosmic power. He's the sorcerer. He was the sorcerer supreme. Now he has. He isn't anymore. Um, but he was the sorcerer supreme. But you know. He's still lonely. He's still sad. He's still, he can't make Christine love him, you know? Uh-huh. I'm not even sure if that would make him happy, even if she did love him. I mean, she did love him for a little while, and that didn't make him yeah, happy. Yeah, and he blew it. Um, also, speaking of their relationship, I really loved his little flashback with the watch. Um, oh, that was cute. Because, I mean, on the one hand, it's frustrating that the watch keeps coming back because I keep seeing the Gégé Le Coutre ads for that watch (laughs) Um, i'm like i know this is an advertisement and it drives me nuts because you're messing with a really poignant you know motif here guys um so like but i love that scene because it kind of shows you know at the beginning she's like oh this place is super expensive are you sure you can afford it he's like oh we you know we deserve a treat we i'm taking you out And so it's like, you can see that at one point he actually, it's not like she always did everything for him. Like at one point he actually put effort into their relationship. Yeah. I kind of do would like to see some flashbacks of the two of them when they were dating, but I feel like that would just hurt a little more. It would, but like, I think they do a good job of like showing why they care about each other but also why they can't be together you know it's not one of those things where it's like why would she like him or why would he like her because you know we can see we can see the better side of him and she's seen it and also we know i think they do a good job of establishing that christine is you know not a superhero but she's a smart compassionate person yeah um and so we like her and we can see that at one point, again, they did their relationship has had good times, but they can't really be together in the end. Um, so I just appreciated that because I feel like otherwise, you know, I'm I'm very quick to be like, I don't get it. Why do they why are they into each other? But with this, I'm like, I get it. But they also it can't work. Um, and yeah. And another thing is one of my favorite lines was uh, when they meet at the wedding and she's like, you always have to hold the knife and I respect you for it, but I can't love you for it. And he's like, how long have you had that? <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah. Because it's like, I mean, it's, you gotta be very careful when drawing attention to the writing. Um, but I feel like that was a really good example because it makes me kind of see Chris. Like, I feel like it shows something about Christine's character that she has thought about this a lot, you know? Yeah. Like she's thought about this a lot. And she's she's figured out what she wants to say to him when she sees him again so that she's being honest with him, but she's not being cruel. She's at least had since 2017 when the first Doctor Strange movie came out for her to think about this. I don't know if she got snapped or not, but if if she did, if she didn't, I mean, then she's definitely had another five years to think about that. She knew exactly what she was saying. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The Wow. The first... 
I feel old. The first Doctor Strange movie was back. I think it was 2016, actually. It's oh, been a long snap. time. Oh, snap. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's well, been that like long. We kind of forget about it because they just kept Doctor Strange around. You know, it's like he made a cameo in Thor Ragnarok. Yes. It was like one year later. And then one year after that, he made a cameo in Infinity War. Um, one year after that, he's in Endgame. One year after that, he's in, or two years after that, it was probably supposed to be one year, but, you know, the, the apocalypse happened. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, one so two years after that, he makes a cameo in Spider-Man, and then he gets his own movie. Yeah, you would think that he would have faded, but no, no, he kept popping up again. He, he knew, he knew what he was doing. And that's like yeah. years and, in the Marvel universe, even with the even without the snap, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So he's he's just he's just kind of kept around and now he's like fully back for his own movie. So they oh, didn't yeah. let you forget him in the meantime. Of course not. Of course not. But yeah, they're wow. And what a movie. Like I, I really liked it a lot. I was pleased and even though i talked about like my criticism mostly with like how they portrayed wanda i would definitely go see this movie again yeah yeah same here i i really did enjoy it a lot again i also have issues with wanda and i wish we got a little more we got some more time with um with america but um yeah, but I really, really overall enjoyed it. I liked the way it looked. I liked the themes and the character stuff with Doctor Strange and Christine. Um, Wong was great. There were some, like, again, good sort of use of humor in that it's not a, there's a cup, there's a few funny bits, but it's mostly not a funny movie. And they kind of stick to that. And also, I mean, I think there was like a couple of sarcastic lines that Strange said where I'm like, okay, that's a little too quippy. But for the <laughs> most part, you know, they keep him from being just another like quippy hero, which I appreciate because I think he, I don't think he should be that. Nah, it doesn't fit his character from what we know of him. He's just too blunt, you know, like quippy would involve like humor. And I just don't think he's that into humor. Nah, nah, definitely not. Nah, he's definitely the weird uncle with an even weirder sense of humor that very few people understand. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Who, again, probably is doing acid. <laughs> okay, Probably doing be, some acid. Honestly, there better be a human AU out there where Doctor Strange is that weird uncle doing acid. The Avengers are family and he's that uncle. I need that now. Manifest the fan yeah. fiction. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's an AU where like Clint Barton is like a regular dad and he's adopted Kate or something and then he's i guess maybe like america's living with them too and then it's like okay i gotta let dr strange babysit like i don't want to but the rest of the adults that i trust are busy and the ones that aren't busy i can't trust with kids so strange is harmless dot 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 keep it away from the kids (laughs) whatever you got in there keep it away from the kids um yeah. I also, I want to see Sam and Bucky have to babysit all the kids that we've got going, we, we have here in our like Young Avengers lineup. I literally need that in my life right now. They would be the best cool uncles ever. Yeah. 
I mean, Sam already is a super cool uncle, and, oh, and Bucky, sure. Bucky will be there eventually. He's already halfway there with Sam's uh, nephews. Yeah, he's 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 approaching cool uncle status with Sam's nephews. So, yeah, he doesn't know it yet, but oh, totally cool uncle vibes too. Once he loosens up a little, yeah. Yep. So I need like both of them to have to take care of the super kids at some point. Um, considering that we basically have almost all the super kids at least made a cameo or established themselves as characters, we're almost there. Yeah, we've got, I mean, I feel like, again, I don't know the Young Avengers as well as you do, but we got a lot of them, okay? We got Kate Bishop, we got, we know Cassie Lang, we've got, um, we've got our, you know, Wanda's kids, Bobby and Billy, Tommy and Billy, I think it's Bobby and Billy. It's Um, Billy and Tommy. Billy and Tommy, never mind. Um... They, they have easy to mix up names. They do. Um, I, I've had that before, especially since um, Billy's boyfriend is Teddy. You know, Ted. Oh, that, that's acceptable. We haven't seen him yet, but we'll, we'll get there. Says yeah. the... Well, he's, he's a little young dating right now, you know? He's got a lot of years left. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the kid's still a kid, but I'm more like queer representation. Bring us one of the first out gay couples. I need it. I mean, we got the first uh, Latina lesbian woman out, even if America hasn't shown her lesbian side yet, but it's fine. She was too much of a, she she needed to be the MacGuffin before they flesh out her character. So yeah. Then we're going to get Ironheart soon and Miss Marvel's got her show. We've, we've almost got them all at this point. Yeah, we've all got almost all the kids. Yeah, we got America in this. We got all the other sort of like, you know, leading up to this. And then we're going to have, yeah, Miss Marvel and Ironheart. So we will have a full generation of kids. Yep. Almost there, folks. Almost there. Fingers crossed. And hopefully some of the adult Avengers still have some adventures too, because I do want to see more of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. I want to see more of the Black Panther universe. Uh, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. And let's see, who else? Sam, of course, and Bucky. Can't get rid of them. No, they're too precious. They're too amazing. And then, of course, Thor and the Guardians still have their hurrah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Although, another thing I do want to say about America is, considering that she is another one of the, you know, the kids, I appreciate the fact that her story is not about her wanting to be a superhero and thinking it's cool. Like... Yeah, no, she... Like, it's refreshing because in the comics, she's a hero because she's a hero. Like, she always knew it was the right thing to do, you know? But here, she's just like, I just don't want to die. There is someone chasing after me, trying to take my powers. I don't want to die. I know. I appreciate the fact that she's just like, I didn't ask for this. I literally just did not want powers because it took my moms away from me, which hurt me physically. Yeah. Yeah, she just needs to be a kid, man. She made the little spark. She was eager to show Steven that she made sparks. And she was comfortable calling him I Steven. I was, was I was so pleased sweet. with that. Oh, yes, absolutely. That that was super sweet. I made sparks. Like, okay, she's got she's to gotta come and tell her uncle. Um, she has she to, yeah. Sparks. So cute. Yeah. Oh, and then I did have an, another question for you. Do you know what's up with her little necklace? Because I was wondering what this, I couldn't get a good look at what was on it, but I feel her like it has necklace? to be important. Because she, yeah, she's got a little square necklace and she keeps wearing it even when she gets her camertage robes. So it makes me think it must be important to her. Hmm. 
Hold on. Give me a moment to look that up very quick because like, I don't think I noticed the necklace. Let me, let me see here. Yeah. I was just wondering if it shows up in on that. Even though I was watching it on a big screen, I still am like, I can't see what, I can't, it was kind of bugging me. It's like, I can't see what's on her little necklace, but it seems like it's important to her because again, she, even though she changes her clothing, she still wears it. So. Interesting. Yeah. Because I'm looking at the necklace now and she does have something similar in the comics, but not very often. Like mostly America Chavez is known for her blue shirt, white star shirt with the jean jacket with the star on it, then shorts, you know. That's always what she's known for. Occasionally she's got a necklace on, but not the one that uh, Sauchiel is wearing. So I have no idea what the significance of that is. If it was a thing or if that's just a designer thing or they're going to touch upon that later. Maybe it was a gift from her mom's, but uh, nothing I would know. Yeah. Well, let's see. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure what was up. Um, So I was just kind of curious if you knew about that. But okay, it's a it's a mystery or it'll never be addressed again. And I'll be like, see, this is a hanging plot thread. <laughs> yeah. I'm not that nerdy, I promise. Nah, we good. We good for now, depending on what they're going to do with yeah. their character later. But yeah, yeah. interesting for but you like, to notice the I little just, details like that. Yeah. Well, I, I think uh, I, I want to notice, I guess it's a, it's a cost costume and jewelry stuff. I like to try and pay attention to nice um, so uh yeah but yeah i just i kind of appreciated that aspect of her character because i feel like so far the, the kids we meet are all like yeah i want to be a superhero and it's like it's kind of getting old but it's also sometimes it feels very sort of like pandery like hey kids don't you want to be a superhero too isn't aren't superheroes cool watch our next movie yeah i could definitely see that i mean We got Peter, Kate Bishop, even uh, Billy and Tommy to some extent. You know, once they realized they had power, they were all willing to dive into the fray there. Yeah, they were they were like, woohoo, we got powers. (laughs) Oh, the boys. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, America will definitely come into her own because she does have that sense of good in her to do the right thing and such. Just I tell you, I can't get over like towards the end when she tells uh zombie strange like just take my powers i get it now i understand just do it you know she understands that it's for the greater good even if it is at the cost of her life i know so, yeah she yeah that was she's know, a good kid like, no baby don't do it don't give up yeah but also oh. you're very very noble to do that yeah it was nice to see like dr strange tell her like no it's you you have to have confidence in yourself like i know you're capable you know and that's what drives her to control her powers and punch her way through and eventually realize okay i gotta open a portal hey wanda check this out oh look your own kids are afraid of you there's the hole in your plan crazy lady yeah and i also feel like that i mean first of all i just I love the fact that he teleported into his own corpse or a corpse of him from another universe. Oh, that was insane when he's just like, yeah, I can't dream walk unless there is, but there is another version of me out there, which it was so interesting in the beginning where he and America are first introduced and they're fighting that eyeball monster thing. And he just gouges its eye. 
awesome fight scene, I know, by the that way. Was gross. I loved it. And then oh, of course, also, I love the little line. Yeah. I love the little line from Wong about when he buries it. He's like, that's breaking so many zoning laws. <laughs> so many zoning laws. Yes. Oh, the fact that America had that body with her because it got sucked into the portal or whatever. That must have been traumatizing. I mean, this was literally the dude who was like protecting her and then tried to steal her power. Then then boom, dead body. Up. Oh, we're in a strange universe being chased by an eyeball tentacle thing. And the guy who tried to kill me, but who I thought was my friend is dead right here. Okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, that's a, a Kim, poor girl. She's just been through a lot. Um, but anyway, the, the Wong line, I feel like is a good example of, well, one, it's, it's like a good example of Wong's character. <laughs> I feel like he's the guy who like, you know, wants things to be correct. And yes. I appreciate that about him. He's like, I want, I don't care if I'm a magical sorcerer. I want the world to make sense. <laughs> Honest to gosh. He's like, I will deal with the multiverse. I will deal with powers. I will deal with witches, but do not try to tell me to go against these zoning laws. No. No. We need to have some order here. Yeah. There needs to be some order. But also, like, that's an example, again, for me, the reason I complain about sort of, like, people just quipping is because, like, that could be any character, you know? Like, that's the problem is if everyone's a meta, self-aware quipper, it gets super old and they start to sound indistinguishable from one another. Whereas, Mm -hmm. like, if the character's humor comes from who they are, that makes more sense. Like, it's funny for Wong to be kind of fastidious in the face of the craziness. That's his character. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wong is definitely a deadpan quipper type. Not often, because, you know, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He's got to uphold his image there. But no, no. Yeah. Or, like, it's funny for Doctor Strange to be, like, frustrated and burned out you know or, or just be kind of cranky about stuff like because yeah. that's who he is definitely makes sense for his character for sure yeah um let's see I yeah is there anything I else you would like to talk about it because there was like so much going on in this movie i know we didn't speak chronologically but honestly wow Again, so much to process presumably if people are listening to this podcast they have already seen it themselves so they don't need us to recap it for them i would hope you know so like if if all of you are still listening and you're like oh my god so many spoilers shame on you shame on you (laughs) pointed out the spoiler alert 15 minutes in we are almost two hours in shame on you exactly like did you did you look and see two hour podcast on multiverse of madness after it's come out and we're like oh they probably aren't going to talk about anything that happens in the movie (laughs) logic (laughs) oh but yeah Yeah. there was a lot of things going on in this movie that i was so into some that i wasn't into uh one thing i want to bring up with you caroline the third eye yeah dr strange i was surprised when he initially seemingly came out of that whole dark magic dark hole go into a dead zombie it defies all the laws of magic or whatever relatively unscathed despite the demons trying to claw him back in and him using it to fight wanda supposedly he came out unscathed supposedly only to realize at the end of the movie nope third eye do you think there's any significance in the third eye like do you think it's a representation or a symbol for something or just like 
Yeah, that's unnatural because you used unnatural magic. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Okay, so I think, well, one, about the whole sort of like the demon stuff, I just want to say, I feel like he should have explained to Christine what to do about that instead of being like, oh, I didn't say they had to be living. It's like, haha, I came up with a cool line. I'm like, no, ex- please explain to her what to do about the, the, the like the souls of the damned. Yeah, exactly. Um, but thankfully she figured it out on her own because, again, she's pretty smart. Um, yeah. So, like she so so yeah i'm just like i i was like i, I get that you you wanted a line there dude but i feel like you could have you could have explained a few things to her um or maybe he's flying by the seat of his pants too uh <laughs> which yeah that makes sense um okay so the third eye is a concept in and you kind of see this series like riffing on hinduism a bit um because again, that's something that's very much a tradition of that was a big kind of that was something people were very interested in in the 1960s, you know, sometimes in genuinely appreciative ways, sometimes in kind of appropriative ways. Um, uh-huh. And then, you know, same with like, the sort of turn of the century occultists that Strange is kind of based on, um, who would go on these trips to like Tibet and into India and then they would come back to Europe and, you know, with different religious ideas. Um, so you can see some kind of like Hindu sort of references in the Doctor Strange uh, universe or in his lore. Like the fact that in a few scenes, like he gets several multiple arms when he's fighting. Um, that's something that you see with Hindu gods and oh. to kind of represent their power. Um, there's also a poster that I found that references the idea of like, it shows kind of Wanda as the goddess Kali, which is kind of a, an interesting comparison because she's, uh, you know, like a a mother goddess, but also a goddess of destruction. Um, oh, also multiverse of madness, M-O-M, mom, Doctor Strange and mom. <laughs> wow, I did not catch that. Oh my gosh. Nice. Yeah, I put a note about it here and I realized that I forgot to note that. Um, so, so yeah, there's these nods to Hinduism and one of the, the third eye is also a concept in, in that religion. I think in, a, in other Asian religions, um, it, it kind of represents a divine sight or divine knowledge Um, so it's something where it's like, when you see it on a physical person, it looks very unsettling. Uh Um, but it's also kind of a, an idea of like knowledge beyond that of your two physical eyes. Um, so, so that's what I think it represents is sort of, yeah, it's, it's knowledge that maybe a human being is not supposed to have. That's something a divine being gets, um, so that's my take on it oh wow i hadn't even considered that that's really good yeah thank you for sharing your ideas on that because like i didn't really notice any uh religious subtext not until you started pointing out like uh different things like with the altar and the books and such but yeah i could definitely see the tie-ins to that that it's like in a way he has reached that higher level because he like crossed over to the dark side so to speak and survived without like losing much of his humanity like how wanda did me i only thought like 
oh, the third eye is just sort of a symbol for he's reached that dark point of no return. It's left its mark. But yeah, I can definitely see that as a sign of him reaching that higher power. And let's let's see where that takes him in, in his next appearance, you know, what he's learned and if he'll succumb to that uh, dark magic because they kind of sort of implied like with Wanda because she dabbled in that sort of dark magic that that's what took away her humanity and kind of pushed her to that edge of no return, so to speak. But Dr. Strange was yeah. willing, was able to pull himself out with the help of uh, Christine in America and Wong, you know? So who knows if he'll have to touch that like dark part of himself again, or if seeing his alternate dark self will be like, Oh no, never mind, No, we good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a that's a good kind of question moving forward um but also there are there are a lot of like eyes show up as a motif in this movie um and i'm kind of i'm still personally trying to figure out what they all symbolize because they defeat the monster by gouging out its eye kind of like odysseus yeah um and then which you know i guess you can say well that's about like fighting in a clever way or figuring out a way around a problem like seemingly this monster is unstoppable go for the weak point um then we see a lot of wanda's eyes we see a lot of close-ups on wanda's eyes we see wanda's eye you know in the reflection um and so with though we also we can tell it's you know other wanda because the eyes go red um so for wanda it's like I'm not sure what they represent for her other than I guess the idea of like the eyes are the window to the soul and Wanda's soul is deeply corrupted at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's like, or or sort of like staring into the eyes of madness is kind of what you're doing. Um, And then later we have the third eye, which represents, as I said, in my opinion, I think the symbolism is it is a form of divine knowledge that a human being is not supposed to have. Oh, sick. I love it. So, but maybe that's what's going on with Wanda. Maybe Wanda has like a metaphorical third eye in that she has divine knowledge or, you know, demonic knowledge or what's whatever's in the dark hold that a human being isn't supposed to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I hadn't even considered that, like where her third eye could be, so to speak. But, well, again, I mentioned before, I do not think she's dead. We might get an answer to that later. Or maybe her darkening fingers were like were enough proof to show that she's heading over to the dark side so to speak yeah and i mean we know that the dark hold is corruptive and that does show up in agents of shield but like it it still kind of bothers me because it's like one most people haven't watched agents of shield um although i am kind of glad that they brought it back and so once again that's another example of being like hey the stuff in the tv shows it's it's real it matters i'm like thank you thank you for finally (laughs) saying that um so yeah we've got we've got that aspect and then um we have the but yeah it just it kind of does bother me if if that's kind of what they're going to try and use is like well Wanda seemed like she was in this place the end of WandaVision but then she started messing with the book and it you know warped her mind and I'm like okay that just feels like you pressed reset on the character or you know, sent the character down a path that she maybe wasn't supposed to go. And you're like, uh, cursed magical artifact. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Yeah, issues with that too, because it's like the whole Agatha all along thing in uh, WandaVision. Oh, no, no, no. You you have to accept the, the consequences to your actions. Uh-uh, it's not just the cursed mumbo-jumbo thingy. No, no, no. It's you too. Yeah. Well, Wanda doesn't say it was Agatha all along. Like, Wanda herself doesn't say that. It's Agatha who's insistent that it was her all along, even though she didn't do any... I mean, she did stuff. She messed with her, but she didn't make her do anything. Exactly. So, you know, so that that song, as catchy as it is, um, is, is kind of misleading. A little misleading, yeah. But that's a whole nother conversation that I, we, I'm pretty sure we covered back in WandaVision that I can barely remember. But yeah. Exactly. If we, keep, if we keep talking about WandaVision, we will be here all night. Um, <laughs> oh, man. But uh, yeah, do you have any other uh, further thoughts on the movie, the characters, the aesthetics, the future for the Marvel universe? Um... I, I think I have exhausted uh, all of my notes here. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I had, you know, one, one pretty big issue with it, but overall I thought it was pretty, I, I like the character work, I like the visuals. Um, this felt like the right place to go for Dr. Strange. And I am excited for whatever happens in Dr. Strange three. Yes, I am here for it. I am here for all our characters and for what the MCU has to hold. And please, please bring back Haley Atwell as Captain Carter in another universe where she isn't sliced in half. And please bring back John Krenziski as Reed Richards where he's not spaghetti. I need them. Exactly. We need these things. And come on, Marvel, you know that people will like these things. Uh... Please, please give them to us. Please. Like, I know we ask for a lot, but it's reasonable stuff. Yeah, and you guys can do whatever you want. So, you know, it's not hard. We're not asking too much. Come on. Fan service. Just just a little. Please, you put us through so much already. <laughs> but yeah, oh my gosh. I think I've gone through all my notes, too. I'm looking through the movie summary, and I think we... Like, I personally covered everything I wanted to talk about fangirled, and I hope I sounded at least somewhat coherent through all that. You definitely brought up some good points. So, Caroline, thank you so, so much for agreeing to talk about this. I loved your insight, and of course, it's always awesome to talk to you and such. Aw, thank you so much. Um, as I said, I was looking forward to this. I thought it was going to be a fun conversation, and it was a super, super fun conversation. As always, it's always super fun to to chat with you on this. Um, but yeah, I think we are done for the evening. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, thank you all so much. Uh, please listen to our other podcast. We have so many nerdy and uh, scholarly things that we talk about. And tune in next time. We'll be talking about Miss Marvel and then we'll bring up other topics other than the movies and shows. There are a lot of topics we are desperate to cover just now that the Marvel universe is expanding. So yeah, give us a listen, talk to your friends about us and join us next time on nerd alert girls, girls. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye.